William Faulkner's story, The Bear, is about the hunt for Old Ben, a legendary bear that roams the woods. One of the central characters of the story is a young boy named Ike. Ike is only 10 years old when he's invited for the first time on the annual hunt for Old Ben. Sam Fathers, an expert tracker, takes Ike under his wing. Sam teaches Ike all the ways of the hunt, how to identify bear tracks, how to shoot, how to be patient and stand still and listen. One morning, Ike is awakened by the sound of barking dogs. Sam Fathers tells him, it's old Ben, he does it every year. He comes to see who's here, who's new to the camp, whether they can shoot or not, whether they have what it takes to make it through a long hunt. The hunted, Ike realizes, is himself a hunter. The Catechism of the Catholic Church beautifully describes prayer and our spiritual life as the coming together of two thirsts, our thirst for God and God's thirst for us. Kind of like Ike hunting for old Ben, we perhaps think of the spiritual life first and foremost as our quest for God. But then Ike is awakened to the fact that old Ben is in fact pursuing him. Christianity actually begins with God's quest for us. Our gospel today describes the meeting of these two thirsts. We perhaps first focus in on Zacchaeus and his desire to see Jesus. He's even willing to look foolish climbing a tree to see the Lord. But if we step back, we notice that it is Jesus who's come to Jericho precisely to seek out and find Zacchaeus. The gospel, in some ways, sums up the entire mission of Jesus when it says the Son of Man has come to seek out and save the lost. It's no accident that Jesus came to Jericho. Jericho, in the Bible, represents the city of sin. And so Jesus goes to Jericho precisely to seek out and save Zacchaeus. Jesus thirsts for Zacchaeus, and he thirsts for you and me. Now, we might ponder in our own lives, how do we really experience Jesus pursuing us, seeking us, thirsting after us? I'm reading right now a book by Father Timothy Gallagher on St. Ignatius' rules of discernment. And I want to provide two examples of how the Lord pursues us. First, imagine Tom, a college student who's fallen away from the faith. Tom has stopped going to Mass, and he's living the typical college party life, indulging in drinking, a life of promiscuity, improper use of the media. Suddenly, Tom gets a text from a friend inviting him on a spring break trip to the Caribbean. Well, pictures begin flooding Tom's mind, all the pleasures that would be permitted without bounds, without restrictions. A burning desire wells up within him to go on the trip. But then another voice begins to stir within him. He feels deep inside, troubled and unhappy. Thoughts come to him. Why do you keep doing this to yourself? Why do you lead a life that is making you unhappy? Is this really the way you want to spend the rest of your life? How long will you keep on living this way? In his first rule of discernment, St. Ignatius tells us, in persons who are going from mortal sin to mortal sin, the enemy is ordinarily accustomed to propose apparent pleasures to them, leading them to imagine sensual delights and pleasures in order to hold them more and make them grow in their vices and sins. 
In these persons, the good spirit uses a contrary method, stinging and biting their consciences. When we're living in the throes of mortal sin, the devil continues to propose unbridled pleasures, but God pursues us. How does God pursue us? By stinging and biting our conscience, making us feel unfulfilled, like something's missing, proposing those thoughts. Why are you doing this to yourself? This is the good spirit calling us back. Let's take another example. Imagine Susan who's just gone on a retreat. She's renewed in her faith, attending mass, striving in her daily prayer, involved in her parish. She begins to feel a deep sense of peace in her life. Her prayers seems to be more alive. Her family notices a change in her. Four months pass and one Saturday, Susan begins to feel weary. It's a gray autumn day and something of the grayness enters her heart. She feels alone. Thoughts begin flooding her mind. How long do you think you can keep this spiritual renewal up? Why are you getting your hopes up? You can't sustain this. Let's be honest. You like people seeing you pray in the church. This is all really coming from a place of pride. It has nothing to do with God. In his second rule of discernment, St. Ignatius tells us that if we're striving to pursue the Lord, it is the enemy that will try to discourage us, proposing thoughts of doubt, sadness, trying to make us feel weary. But it is the good spirit who encourages, providing courage and strength, peace and consolation to help us move forward in doing good. That renewal Susan experienced and the peace and vibrancy that followed, that was God at work in her life. God is constantly pursuing us. If we wander from God, he stings and bites our conscience to draw us back. If we're striving to do his will, it is the Lord who consoles and strengthens us. Let me conclude with this. What is the result of the meeting of two thirsts? The result is communion. The love of two people leads to communion. Think of how the gospel ends. Jesus tells Zacchaeus, today I must stay at your house. Their mutual thirst results in Jesus abiding with Zacchaeus. Now think of the mass. We come here like Zacchaeus, thirsting to see Jesus. But it is Jesus himself who has drawn us here. And these two thirsts, our thirst for the Lord and Jesus' thirst for us, leads to holy communion. It is in the Eucharist now that Jesus abides today under our roof. And we can say, today salvation has come to my house.